what if. Isn't that a, that's, a, that's a sermon right there, that whole song. That is just terrific. I, I want to follow it up with another quote, long quote, not, not that long. And I do this a lot on Easter, and maybe if you were here last Easter, you heard this, or you, I've, I've used it since then a few times because it's so good. It's from C.S. Lewis, great writer from, um, from um, England. He says this, I'm trying to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claims to be God. That's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said this, that sort of things that Jesus said would never be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. It's a classic, uh, classic Lewis there. That's really good. And you know, if you put it in other words, you could put it this way. If Christ, if Christ was not raised from the dead, then his teachings are meaningless. That's significant. While he may have been a good man, strong philosopher, and a great teacher, he would have been just that, a man. Because of his claims, he would not be called, or excuse me, because of his claims, he would have to be called self-delusional, overinflated, or just simply put a liar. And of course, we know that's not true. Those of us who have come to faith in Christ know he is who he says he was and is, and that is the Lord of Lord, Lord God. And this is a great day because we celebrate, the, whether it happened on this month or day or whatever, we celebrate Easter. Um, once a year, and it's just a great, a great thing to think about the, the, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Um, and I want to take you this morning just to the passage, there's, there's actually four, I'm going to take you to one passage in, in the Gospel of John uh, that talks about the resurrection morning, the first resurrection morning. Look for a couple of insights, make a few applications along the way, but I just want to kind of take you through that whole narrative and Maybe you've read it recently. Maybe you read it this morning. I don't know. But uh, you could do any of the Gospels, and sometime it might be good for you to get what they call a harmony of the Gospels. That's where they put, because the Gospels are, are, are four different writers writing about Jesus from four different perspectives. That's why it's good to do. And sometimes one of the writers will pick up one thing about, about the Lord or even about his crucifixion and resurrection that one of the other writers may not. This particular one is John and at the fourth Gospel. And um, and I'll make a few comments about some of the other ones as well. But I wanted you to see it. It's John chapter 20. You can follow along on the screen. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That's the writer here, John. I like the way he refers to himself. The other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. I don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see. The other disciple outran Peter. <laughs> it's a guy thing, ladies. I'm sorry. It's one of those things, even in the scriptures. <laughs> and even, even here he is. John said, uh, the other guy outran Peter. He was a little younger, by the way. Um, the other disciple outran Peter and got there first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen. This is a great little part here. Saw the linen cloth lying there, and he didn't go in. This is John talking about himself. Then Simon Peter arrived, boom, right inside. I love this guy. He's my kind of guy, it's Peter. Just, he's kind of up and down a little bit. And you know, right before the Lord's 
crucifixion, he had denied him three times. You know, and, and, and so he's, he's not like just some great, great pillar of faith at this point, but he does have a love for Jesus, a great love for Christ. And he's not afraid of anything. Boom, here I go. He just goes right in. Stoop looked in, saw the linen cloth lying there. He didn't go in. And Simon Peter arrived, went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying, wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying to the side. Then the other disciple also went in and he saw and he believed. For until then, he hadn't realized that the scripture said he would rise from the dead. Then they went home. You need to understand, the disciples really didn't quite understand this. They weren't like, oh, Sunday morning, let's go see if Jesus, let's, let's go see where he is. Let's go see if he rose like he said he was. Good. They didn't, you know, Jesus in his prophetic utterings about that, saying, you know, you, you tear this temple down in three days, it will be built up again. He said some things like that. And, and some of these disciples didn't quite most, all of the disciples actually, didn't quite grasp what he was saying. And so they're like, wow, now it's all coming together. He did, he, he did rise from the dead. He was raised from the dead. So verse 11, Mary stays there. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white robed angels sitting at the head and the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they put him. She glanced over her shoulder and saw someone standing behind her. It was Jesus. And she didn't recognize him. Why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him. I'll go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned toward him and exclaimed, Teacher! That was a dramatic moment. He just said, Mary. And she was like, Jesus, teacher. You know, read these next two verses. I want to make a comment. Don't cling to me. She apparently hugged him. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. You know, I don't want to get into this too much, but I've got to make a comment about this. Isn't it interesting that the first person that Jesus appears to now think of all the people he could appear to. What would I have done? <laughs> you know what I would have done? And this just shows you how pathetic I am. I would have made my first appearance to Pilate. I would have gone back and I would have said, Pilate! <laughs> you lose. <laughs> or Caiaphas, the high priest. Caiaphas, you're a jerk. But I mean, I'm not God. That's why I would have done those things. I'm not Jesus, and you know that. But I mean, you can just think of all the places and all the people that Jesus would have appeared to. It's, it's, listen, there's a couple things you need to know about this. The first person that Jesus appears to in his resurrection body is a woman. That's significant. Some of those people who have said over the years, well, the Bible is prejudiced or chauvinistic, you know, I know a lot of ministers who are chauvinistic. I know a lot of Christian people who are chauvinistic, but, but the Bible is not. And Jesus was not. Never. 
Jesus was the great liberator of all mankind, including women. And I will tell you something else about the historicity of the Bible. Let me just tell you, one of the reasons, there are many reasons that I believe the Bible, but, but, but here's another reason. Let me tell you something. A Jewish writer in this culture would never have written that Jesus appeared to a woman if it hadn't been true. Because a lot of people at that time are like, you know, I mean, women are still not even second-class citizens. So, I mean, that just shows you how, how the, the authority of the Bible. And, and ladies and women, I hope you'll, uh, and I hope you're the same, uh, I hope you will, sorry, I, I say ladies all the time, and some of my New Jersey friends tell me I'm supposed to say women, and I can't get you, I have enough Southern in me to say ladies whenever I'm around women, and somebody told me you, they're not always the same, and I'm like, that's not for me to judge. But anyway, <laughs> side note, don't worry about it. But women, I, this is an important issue. This is an important issue. The first human being that Jesus appears to is a woman. And, and, and I mean, that's just, that's not Mary, his mother, either. Don't think that. Um, that's significant. That's significant. I love that part. Well, anyway, she goes back and she tells the rest of them. Verse 19, that evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he held out his hands for them to see and showed them his side where he had been stabbed with a spear while he was on the cross. And they were filled with joy and they saw their Lord. He spoke to them again and said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hadn't, hadn't come yet. So he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you refuse to forgive them, they are unforgiven. Be careful with that verse. We, we believe the meaning of that in this, this translation. I'm not terribly happy with. Um, what he's saying is declaring the forgiveness of sins. Obviously, people can't forgive sins. I mean, you can forgive somebody's sins against you, but you can't forgive the sins from a God perspective. That's not what he's saying here. He's talking about the declaration of forgiveness. Meanwhile, we don't know how many people are in that room, but we know there's probably around 10, something like that. Maybe a few more. It depends if some of the women were there. Because um, we know, for instance, first of all, obviously Judas is long since out of the picture and has committed suicide. We know that Thomas wasn't there, because we're going to read that in just a moment, one of the other disciples. So however many were there, 10 or maybe 12 and 13, depending on how many of the women were there, and, and maybe a friend or two, or, 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 or some, some, maybe not some of the original 12, or in this case, 11 disciples, but uh, other disciples who maybe aren't named in the, in, the, in, in the scriptures and so forth. There were many, we know that. But we know that there is absent one that uh, is significant. Verse 24, one of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. This guy's from New Jersey. I mean, you know, he's a skeptic. I don't believe that. <laughs> Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Joseph was with, or excuse me, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. And suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. He said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, don't you know, would you love to have been there? Just see Jesus look at Thomas, and Thomas is going, 
Oh, crap. That's Jesus. I mean, he probably said something like that. Um, he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand in my wound, in the wound by my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. Who's he talking about there? He's not talking about the other disciples because they saw him too. Who's this blessing for? Blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. It's me. That's you. Because we haven't seen the resurrected body of Jesus. You say, well, I had a vision once. Well, hey, that's great. I'm glad for your visions. But that's still, that's still not the, the resurrected body of Jesus. I'm not going to downplay that. I've never had that, but some people claim they have. That's still not the resurrected physical body of Jesus. All of us who are followers of Christ today have, have trusted, trusted Jesus and that he's real and that he did rise from the dead. He did, was raised from the dead. And that blessing is for us, for all of us. I like that. I think that's great. You know, it's okay. the other thing I want to say about, just want to say this about Thomas, and that is this. You know, he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't say, you doubting Thomas. Of course, we came up with that later. He, he, here's the deal on this, guys. You know, you can have doubts sometimes. And, and God and, and Jesus doesn't condemn us for doubts because he understands we're human. And we all have doubts in different ways at different times about different things. And uh, thank God that he, he loves us and accepts us anyway. And that's a, one of the great parts about that story that I just, I really, really like. Let me show you a, a quote from another, from another writer, McDowell. If the resurrection claim was merely because of a geographical mistake, the Jewish authorities would have lost no time in producing the body from the proper tomb, thus effectively quenching for all time any rumor resurrection. I mentioned this the other night in our Good Friday service. I mean, it's true. Do you not think that if, if this, you know, some of the more liberal scholars will say, well, they had the wrong tomb. Oh, really? Well, first of all, they had 16 guards out in front of it. Secondly, um, do you not think that these guys are bright enough, Pilate and all his legions and, and even Caiaphas as the high priest and all the people that were about that? Do you not think they would have said, okay, they got the wrong one, let's go find the right to Do you not think there was a search like no other search by the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities to try to find out, let's find the real body? I mean, you think these guys are just ditzes and just sort of laid over and, oh, heck with it. No, they didn't want to have a resurrected Lord. They knew they would have trouble on their hands. And I, I think that's an important issue. When you think about that, I mean, these, these were bright people of their time, and it's, and it's interesting. Um, British-born uh, American Yale-educated Professor Bushnell, Harris Bushnell, said this, The resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely the best attested fact in ancient history. It's pretty amazing. I always have a hard time understanding why people would believe in the Roman Empire and that it existed, but not that Jesus rose from the dead. Are there that many of us that are just crazy? I don't think so. That's the story of Jesus' resurrection, and it's terrific. Now, here's what I want to do, and I did this. I, I'm not going to take a lot of time with this. I did these, most of these last year at Easter, and, and I want to do them again because I think it's, you know, every now and then 
you write something and you look back on it and you say, wow, that was really good. Um, every now and then, every now and then, okay? And uh, I, I just want to just give you real quick bullet points here, 10 real quick bullet points on, on um, what it means that Jesus did rise from the dead, what it means, and, and really some huge practical problems if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Real simple. Number one, selfishness would be commendable. Now, I know people are selfish. I know we live in a society that, that advertises selfishness. But for the most of us, those of us who are in any way uh, accepting of the teachings of Jesus, whether we have become a quote-unquote Christian or, or just accept the, the moral guidelines of Jesus, we all try to teach our kids, don't be selfish. Doesn't mean there aren't selfish people in the world. Doesn't mean there aren't people who call themselves followers of Jesus who are selfish. But just think about it. If Jesus had not ra- been raised from the, from, the, from the grave, selfishness would be the rule. Nothing wrong with it. Heck yeah, do it. Look out for yourself. That old saying, you know, just look out for number one. That would, you know, and some people say it's okay. Well, of course, we know it's not okay. We're supposed to be selfless according to Jesus' teachings. Think about this, terrorism would be admirable. And I know it is in some cultures, but not any culture where Jesus is proclaimed properly. Not any culture. And there are some people, again, who have mis- totally misunderstood the teachings of the Scripture, who have become terrorists in, in past centuries and so forth. Um, doesn't make it right, and it doesn't mean that Jesus thought it was okay. But just think about that. Had Jesus not been raised from the dead, that's okay. We join those people who think, that's okay, just kill others, you know. Um, number three, women would be disposable. You say in some cultures they are. Not if Jesus is proclaimed properly, they will be equal. And only in those, think about the cultures where Jesus is not proclaimed properly, uh, or in, in some cases proclaimed improperly. I mean, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, it's terrible, it's awful. It's just, it's, it's just awful. Freedom would be deplorable. Bitterness and rage would be okay. Envy and greed, that'd be great. Be okay, let's just be envious and greedy of everybody. Don't worry about it. Equality or fairness would just be totally unattainable. Hopelessness would be suitable. Forgiveness would be impossible because we wouldn't understand what it means to be forgiven. What did Jesus say? Forgive, (laughs) one of his greatest commandments, one that I think about, if not every day, I'll, I'll, there's not many days to go by that I don't think about it. Jesus says, forgive as I have forgiven you, which means you can't possibly sin against me as much as I have Jesus. And he says, forgive others as I have forgiven you. I think about that. People who are followers of Christ should be, I'm not saying it always works that way, But people who are followers of Christ should be the most forgiving people on the face of the earth because we understand forgiveness. Heartfelt prayers would be unimaginable. It would be just like vain spitting into the wind, basically. There wouldn't be, there'd be no no need to just say, oh, God, help me when you get into trouble. There'd be no need just to say, as the song proclaimed, Jesus, take the wheel. Recent country hit. Those are issues right there. I mean, those are huge things that you got to think about. Because Jesus did rise from the dead. 
we do have all those things. We do understand what it means, even though we don't always practice it, to be selfless. We do understand what it means to have freedom, and, and, and we do understand what it means to, to fight off those, those ugly monsters of envy and bitterness and so forth, because Jesus rose from the dead. Here's a, I just want just, to close with these thoughts, and, and um, I don't have long, a long thing to talk about today, and, and, and that's the way it should be, but I just want just to close with these thoughts, and, and we'll pray together. Um, and that is this. Jesus did rise from the dead. We celebrate that on Easter. He's alive and he lives and Jesus says, I came that you might have life eternally. And then he says in John 10, more abundantly. Jesus did did do that. And you know what? He gives us the ability to have a relationship with God. That's why it's such a great day. Yeah, my sins are forgiven. Yeah, a lot of other things can happen because of that that we talked about. But he, my sins are forgiven, and he, Jesus, has given me the ability, the entrance. We talked about this in our Good Friday service the other night. He has given us the entrance into the Holy of Holies with God Almighty to be able to have communion with God, fellowship with God because of what Jesus did for me and for you. And we're thankful for that. And wherever you are on that, I trust that this morning will be a great time to either be thankful for that and thank God for that, or to consider it again, if you're not quite there yet, and to think through that and to pray through that. I'm going to get Steve and the guys to come on up, and let me pray. God, we are thankful for the opportunity to be here. We're thankful for your love and for your grace. We're thankful, Jesus, that you did the ultimate, you, you gave the ultimate sacrifice by giving your life for us. We thank you for your love for us. I pray for each person here. Lord, we're coming from different walks of life, from different places in life's journey. Some of us are here and we're just thankful. We're, we're so thankful that we can be here and, and understand what it means to have a relationship with God because of you, Jesus. Some of us are here just figuring that out and some of us are still asking questions. God, I pray for all of us. Just help us to... to uh, think, to keep seeking to understand, and whether now or at some point in the future, trust you and who you are. And we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for this day that we celebrate. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.